right, well, good morning, church. Thank you uh, for being with us today. Today we're starting a brand new series called Parent Guilt. And uh, here's what I know about parenting. And the little I know about parenting is this, and I'm sure you would agree, is that parenting is weighty, right? You can write that down in your notes if you're taking notes, but parenting is weighty. And uh, what I mean by that is there is a weight to parenting and uh, simply that there's just provision and food and clothing and just weight. I remember when I heard, uh, I held our first child. We have four children, by the way. Uh, we have uh, an oldest daughter who's 11. We have a son who's eight, another daughter who's five, and then another son who's two. So we know a little bit about parenting. But the first time I held uh, a child in my arms, man, just so much like realness overcame me. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is a real human that I'm now in charge of. And and, and, you know, responsible for and like all these things. And parenting, there's just a ton of weight. And one of my mentors told me this, uh, the, the Pastor Joel, who's planted this church, with, you know, for us in, in a way and sent me out here. Uh, but Pastor Joel, my mentor, uh, made this statement to me one time when I was a parent. And uh, it was all about that, that parenting is theory. That really parenting, it's all theory until you're a parent. Does anybody recognize this at all? And, and here's what I mean that it's all theory until you become a parent yourself. Uh, me and my wife uh, used to watch, uh, you know, other parents, and then we would say things like, we'll never do that. We'll never do that. That's so rude. How, how do you do that? We, we used to, uh, we, we did. We, we, our previous uh, pastor, Pastor Joel and his wife, and, and I remember one time they told us about their, their bathing habits, and she made a comment about, you know, how that, that family uh, just, you know, they had four children as well, and I'm not knocking on them, but they, they said sometimes they'd go a couple of days or four or five days without bathing their child. And me and my wife first heard that, we were like, oh, that's disgusting. How could you do that to your children, you know? And I know for sure now that we're parents, you know, we don't know when they bathe. It's like, if there's, if there's no bugs crawling on them, we're, we're okay, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, I know some of you are like, oh, that's disgusting. You're obviously not a parent. And so, um, <laughs> or not a, you know, not a real one. So, um, <laughs> But man, I mean, anybody, it's just, you know, just theory, man. You're never going to yell, you know, and, and you're not going to do all these things. So parenting, we realize it's so true. And this is what I call the ideal versus the real, right? There's an ideal uh, family, ideal parent, there's real parents. And, and I know when you first get started out as a parent, if you're, if you're not a parent yet, or, you know, if you're a grandparent, you know, you're going to really, if you're a great grandparent, you totally understand what I'm talking about. But, uh, but there's this ideal versus real, right? The ideal is we get married and, oh, we're going to have like a boy and a girl. It's, you know, we're going to have a boy and a girl and the boy's going to be first and he's going to protect the daughter and, you know, all this stuff. And so there's all this ideal stuff that families uh, kind of play out. This is an ideal scenario. And little Johnny, he's going to go off to college and he's going to provide for us when we get older, you know, and he's never going to stop talking to us. And we're going to always have Thanksgiving dinner at our house. And, uh, you know, this is whole ideal as it comes to parenting. And, and we're not going to yell. Has anyone ever thought, you know, I'm just not going to yell. We're not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to kind of talk about my wife here for a minute. I remember when we first started parenting, I was like, oh yeah, we're spanking. Absolutely. You know, and then my wife was like, no, no, no. Like we're not spanking. It's all about timeout conversation. I'm like, okay, just wait and see. And sure enough, first child, age three, my wife spanked that child way more than I did. And <laughs> And, and I know some of you are like, you're bad parents. Hey, I didn't say we had this all figured out, which you're going to find out in just a minute. We don't. But there's an ideal. And then there's the real parenting, right? The ideal parenting is like, everything's going to be great. And then there's real parenting. And I found this video, and I just thought I'd show you a little bit of what real parenting is like. And so I took this video. You can turn it up if you have volume to it. Let's see. 
Make sure you turn it up a little bit louder. So you, a little more, a little more. Pump it so you can feel it, you know? I want my popcorn. That's what he's talking about. Let it play, let it play. You're not, you gotta get it, you know? Anybody can relate to stuff like this at all? No, no, it's not done. Did you see now the Emery, my young? All right, thank you. Now, did you hear what the, the baby did? Starts to cry too, you know, and then everybody begins to cry. Anybody can relate? Just applause if you can be like, man, I totally feel that. I want my, I want my popcorn. <laughs> so that was a couple of years ago. That was uh, my son Samuel, who's now eight. And then if you heard Emery, who's my third child, she's in the middle. She starts to scream and cry. So I showed, I just, you know, I had approval by Samuel. I said, hey, Sam, can I show this video today? So I showed it to him today, this morning. I was like, hey, just so you know, this is what dad's talking about. And he said, well, did I get my popcorn? <laughs> I'm like, really, dude? Like, you, you didn't even say you're sorry? I mean, now, anyways, there's the ideal parenting versus the real parenting, right? Right? And so, man, that's what we're talking about in this series. And so we'll show this next slide. And I want you to understand that the goal of this series, the, the aim, the heart of this series is here's what I know is all true. We don't have it all figured out. All right, we're all trying to figure it out, kind of bring us on the same page. No parent's perfect. Nobody has it figured out, all right? And here's what ultimately I know is so true about this, and stay with me on this, but when it comes to parenting, when it comes to parenting, you put it up in the next, you just, yeah, there you go. Say, when it comes to parenting, you just need to say this, I don't know everything, and you don't either. And I wanted you to say this with me, is why I put say it with me, so I want you to do this. All right, I want you to say this with me. When it comes to parenting, I don't know everything, and you don't either. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor, okay, and I want you to tell them, when it comes to parenting, I don't know everything, and you don't either. And if you have your in-laws with you, this is a perfect opportunity for you to say, right? I don't know everything, and you don't either, right? Because it's, it's, it's all theory, and everybody's, you know, you've read books, and you've watched things, and you've read blogs, and everybody has their method, and everybody has their thing. But man, I just want to bring us all on the same page to simply say this, and we think about the weight of guilt. Do not carry guilt. You know, so many times we look at other people's highlight reels and you don't see what's real. And so people think that oftentimes, because me and my wife, you know, Christians, or we're pastors of a church, like, oh, you must get together, take communion every night. Like, no, you know, or, or you should pray. You probably pray and your kids are praying for you and healing you in the name of Jesus. No, they, they hardly even pray. Uh, you know, we don't have to force them to come to church. That's not true. Sometimes we have to bribe them to come to church. Come on, I'll give you candy. I don't know. I mean, all kinds of things. So I just want you to know this, we're all in the same playing field that none of us have this figured out. We're all just trying to get a little better. And that's the whole goal of this series. The goal of the series, and you can write this down in your notes, the goal of the series is to simply aim, or to be the goal, to aim at being a better parent, not a perfect parent. And I think so many times we can look at other people, we look at other families, look at other children, and we look at other people on Instagram and social media, whatever it might be, and it's just easy to begin to think that this is the way that they parent, their kids are really good, and why can't my kid make A's, and why does my kid not want to go to school, and why does my kid play sports, why can't my kid be that talented, and we begin to compare parenting and kids and all kinds of stuff, and I have never found that to be extremely helpful at all. So the aim of this whole series is that we would just become better parents. And here's why, here's why I think it's so important that we become better parents is because everyone wins when the parent gets better. Everyone wins when the parent gets 
better. Everyone wins when the parent gets better. And I think this is so important for where we are as a nation, as a world, because everyone wins. Let me unpack that. Everyone wins when the parent gets better. Here's who wins. The, the, The child wins when the parent gets better. The parent wins when the parent gets better. Right, the family wins when the parent gets better. And if the family wins, if the family wins, the family wins, everybody's getting better, everybody's getting better, then the community gets better. And if the community gets better, the city gets better. If the city gets better, the state gets better. If the state gets better, the nation gets better. If the nation gets better, the world gets better. Everyone wins when the parent gets better. Right? We've heard this statement, many of us growing up as kids, that it all starts in the home. Yeah, you know that. Everyone wins when the parent gets better. So here's my five-week invitation that I want to invite to you. This is my five-week invitation. Simply make a commitment to get better. Make a commitment to get better. That's all this is, is that can you just get a little better in parenting? And I'm hoping to get a little bit better. And my invitation to you is that you, over the next five weeks, we unpack this series, that you'd make a commitment just to get a little bit better better. And today, we're going to talk about where it all begins, where it all starts, and it's the word love. And it's all about this word love, and I'm going to talk to you about this word love, and we're going to unpack this word love, because it really all starts, I think, with love when it comes to parenting. All right? So, the Bible, just so you know, just so you know, Jesus never taught uh, specifically on parenting. He did talk a lot about relationships, certainly talk about love, but there's no like book in the Bible on here's what you do. You, you time out. You, you don't talk. You don't correct once. You have the conversation. There's conversation on, I know, correct a child the way they should go and they'll not depart from it. But, but ultimately, it's not like a, a guide to parenting. If it was a perfect guide to parenting, I'd be preaching on that book every single Sunday just, just so I could learn how to be a better parent. But there's not. Jesus never directly talked about parenting, but he does have a lot to say about relationships. And in the letter we're going to read today, we're going to unpack this word love. There's a guy named Paul. He writes to this church in Corinth, and he talks to them about love. And as we're going to find out, love has a lot to do with parenting, especially when you start to unpack even the first word. And here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul writes this. He says that love, you know it, love is patient, right? He says, see, now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's parenting right there. Yeah, love is patient. Patient. Now, this word patience means to endure long suffering. Any parent with me now, you're like, I never knew that, gosh, Paul knew what he's talking about. So love endures suffering, right? That, now, that's parenting right there. Some of you came right now, and the, the guilt is being lifted. You're like, ah, oh, so true. Love is patient, Paul writes. Love endures long suffering. Another understanding of this word would be that it's slow to anger, okay? So this, this idea of slow to anger, even Paul's going to kind of go more specifically. He'll actually say that in itself. He'll say it's slow to anger, right? Simply this, it's slow to, to punish. You think about God, and Paul, of course, is reflecting as a Christian himself. He's reflecting on Christ that God is slow to anger. He's slow to reveal his wrath. He extends grace much faster than he extends his wrath. And so he's slow to punish. Now, I was, I'm telling you, this, is, I'm telling, this, this, this whole series is so good for me because I see slow to punish and I'm like, that is so not me. And I just want you to know, this is where I just try to hopefully get real so that you cannot feel bad at all. Like, I'm as quick to punish anybody at all. You're just quick. Like, hey. You know, grounded for four weeks. You're like, wait, no, that's not smart. Because then, you know, and, and it just, 
just trying to throw out punishment as fast as you can. And then, any, and then you threaten. Anybody threaten at all? You, know, you just threaten. You know, I'll tell you, I'm going to do it. You know, and you don't stop. And you just begin to threaten people. All right, so, man, it's so easy for us to, to get caught in this. And here's what makes patience so hard. Here's what makes patience so, so challenging, so difficult. It's simply that patience, patience requires us to move at someone else's pace, right? That's what patience does to you and to me. And I heard this statement recently, and I was like, oh, that's so true, that patience requires us to move at someone else's pace. And so you think about having to walk with a child through life, and, and you try to move at their pace. And as parents, as adults, this is one of my favorite lines that I use in my home, and I probably shouldn't use this in my home. This is what I do. Have you not gotten this yet? Like, you haven't figured this out? You know, how many guys finish this line? How many times do I have to tell you? That line in of itself is saying, why aren't you where I expect you to be? Get caught up to where I am. And Paul says, Paul says, don't do that. That's not love. Love is patient. Love simply does. Love moves at someone else's pace. Love moves at someone else's pace. I think we have that on the slide. Love moves at someone else's pace. That's ultimately what love does. It, it simply, as a, as a parent and a child relationship, just think about that, not pulling them, dragging them, but simply saying, I'm here to walk with you. And here's what makes this even more challenging. If you're a parent of multiple children, you know that each child moves at a different pace. And then you're wondering, why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? And, and in, or maybe you're having those conversations, maybe not in public, but maybe in private, or maybe internally. You know, I wish you were just like that. I wish you liked school. I wish you didn't like that. And then you become a parent, and you realize that each child moves at a different pace, and now you've got to move at a different pace with each child. Until eventually you get so tired and get frustrated, like, everybody move at my pace, you know, right? And all of a sudden you lose the control and you lose the patience. But Paul says, Paul says, love is patient. Love moves at someone else's pace. And then he says this one. You're going to totally understand as a parent. He says next, he goes, and love is kind. Love is kind. Now the word kind simply is to show oneself mild. Okay, he has to show yourself as mild. Now, a lot of times people think kindness is a weak thing. Kindness is not a weak thing. In fact, you know this because here's what kindness is. Kindness, kindness requires strength, not weakness, right? Because unkindness demonstrates a lack of control. Kindness demonstrates control, self-control. That kindness for you to overcome those moments of lack of control, to overcome that and have self-control just so that everyone, I'm removing guilt in the church today. That's what I'm trying to remove guilt. If you've ever lost control on your child, would you lift your hand? Just raise your hand high. If you've ever done it twice, raise both. Okay, there you go. Look, see, all you people losing control. And I saw some hands not go up, which tells me you're not a parent, you're not a grandparent, you're not an aunt, you're not an uncle, you know. <laughs> because, you know, you lose control sometimes, whether it's just verbally you should have said something or maybe, you know, whatever it may have been. But we can lose control so fast. And, and so, man, kindness, Paul says, love, right? Love is kindness. Love is kind. Love simply, man, it's, it's to provide strength. Like, it, like it's hard. It's not always as easy. But this is what love does. Unkindness demonstrates a lack of control. Kindness demonstrates control. Right, so when we love, Paul says, when we love, we demonstrate self-control. 
And we know that when it comes to parenting, that the child often wants us to kind of respond to the way they're responding. They get yelled, we start yelling, and everybody, everybody's yelling. They would say, why are you yelling? Don't yell at me. And then the child says, why are you yelling at me? You know? And all of a sudden, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then Paul writes this. He says, and by the way, don't envy either. He says, love doesn't envy. That's what he says. It doesn't envy. Now, the word envy simply means love doesn't compare. Love doesn't compare. So the word envy is to compare. Anybody ever compared their child? Come on, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm just, maybe even not to them, but maybe you did. You know, why can't you be more like, you know, but, but maybe it's just all internal and you find yourself comparing or comparing someone else's child to your child. And so, you know, and we do this in our society, sometimes in our world, but it's so easy to get caught in comparison. You know, we compare with grades, compare with certain things. I'm not saying I'm against grades. I'm just saying there's just a lot of comparison that can end up happening. And so we compare. And he says, love doesn't do that. Right? This is not what love does. Is in, in regards to love and how we love our children, same true, shouldn't compare. Not even compare them. This is important. Dads, dads, listen in. Comparing your child, your son, to yourself. Or comparing your daughter, mom, to yourself. Or, or comparing them to, to, to how you did it or how things were done in your world. Because here's the reality. The children that you're raising today didn't face what you faced when you were raised. And I know it's that, no, we all had difficult, all our challenges. That's not true at all. The reality is it's a completely different society and world than it is when you were growing up. And so we can't compare cultures or societies either, right? And that's why, you know, sometimes grandparents are, oh, man, baby, you know, I don't know, understand the kids these days, the kids these days. And all that statement says is I don't understand the kids these days because I'm not growing up in the generation of the kids these days. And so just understanding that love doesn't compare. Love doesn't compare. And I think that's so relevant for us as we get into parents. And then he goes on to say, and it doesn't boast. He says, it doesn't boast and it's not proud. So we shouldn't be proud parents. That's what he's trying to say. Don't be proud. No, he's not saying don't be proud. Proud actually means to be puffed up. Proud does not puff up. I'll say it to you this way because he says love is not proud. Doesn't boast. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. So say it this way. Love doesn't puff up. Love lifts up. Right? Now you think about puffing up and what what I mean by that as it relates to parenting. I think what Paul is jabbing at is when you think about loving a child, a, a sibling, a spouse, or a neighbor, anybody. But love doesn't puff up. Love doesn't get broad shoulders. I'll say it this way. This might sound a little harsh, but I'll say it for what it is. Love doesn't bully their child. It's so easy to bully the child, right? Just to simply outmuscle them. And, and a lot of dads are really good at doing this. Even moms can be really good at doing this. Just trying to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to puff up and I'll just go stronger than you. Until one day that child gets a little stronger than you. And then all of a sudden you don't have a way of trying to help facilitate your child in any directional way because most of the time in parenting was spent puffing up versus maybe guiding or shaping or teaching or directing, which we'll talk about later in this series. All I'm pushing on is as when it comes to parenting, if the style that you take, Paul would say, is I'm going to puff up, I'm going to broaden my shoulders, I'm just going to power you, Paul would say, that's, that's not how love acts. Love doesn't puff up, it lifts up. And Jesus demonstrates that better than no other. And then this final one that we're going to unpack today, he says that love doesn't do this. Love does not dishonor others. 
Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, I encourage you to go and read it. You can see there's a whole list. We're not going to unpack all the list where he talks about what love is. Love keeps no records of wrongs. You know, I'm like, I got a whole chart of all of their wrongs. I even got it on video, as you can see. So obviously, I know I've got the one to work on. But, but there's a whole bunch of, of, of a list. And I encourage you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, go read, download it on your Bible app or something like that. But, but you can read it and then you can unpack it. But this is the one we're going to land on today, just for time, just for time. Uh, but I think this is such an important one. I wanted to unpack this one and spend a little more time on this one because I think this one, this one, this one is such a big, big, big deal, all right? It does not dishonor others. Love doesn't dishonor others. And here's why I think honor matters so much. This honor is superior to obedience. In other words, honors is superior to obedience. What that means is that if a child honors their, their, their mom or their dad, mother, father, right? That's the commandment, honor your mother and father. If there is honor, where there is honor, there is obedience. But a lot of times as parents, what we try to do is have an obedient child. I just try to obey. If the goal of the aim of you is to try to get your child to obey, won't you obey, you obey, obey, you're missing the mark. The mark is honor, not obedience. Because honor is superior to obedience. If the child honors me, they will obey. That's the thought behind it. If the, if the child honors me. In other words, the word would be, maybe even understanding this better, to say the word, they trust me in my words. And so here's how that looks in my family. And I, like I told you, I don't have it all figured out, but you don't either. That was my favorite line that I get to say back to you. But this is, but this is how I do it in, in my family. And, and, and I'm still trying to figure this out. So I say that with all the ounce of, uh, all grace in the world. And I am not, when I use my examples, I'm not saying take my examples. You can. I'm not saying my examples are the best examples. I'm just saying this is what I do to try to instill this word honor. I use this line all the time with my kids. And I say this. I say, do you trust me? And, 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 and most of the time, most of the time, they, they, yeah, I trust you. Okay, then trust me when I tell you that you should do this. And then they push back for just a second. I go, hold on, do you trust me? And then I see it happen all the time. They'll say, yeah, I trust you. And then that settles it. And then they typically, typically, when those conversations happen, they begin to go do the thing that I ask them to do, simply because I'm talking about trust. And what I'm trying to teach in our house or in our household is honor. If you trust me, you trust my words are true, you trust my yes to be yes, and you trust my no to be no. Just think about it this way. When you ask them to do something and they don't do it, just say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I say something wrong? Do you trust what I say? Yeah, I trust what you say. Then why aren't you doing what I said? Right? So it's, it's a trust issue. And it's so important to help the child understand that it's a relational discord. When they don't listen to what you say, it's not an obedient issue. It's an honor issue. And saying, hey, th th there's something you're damaging in this relationship. But what I want my children to know is you're damaging the trust in this relationship. Do you trust me? And you think about that with the Lord. You think about that with Jesus. You think about that in your relationship with God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a believer in Jesus, how many times has God told you to do something that you didn't know if you should do, but he just says, wait, wait, wait. Do you trust me? You know, or we're, we're scared to take the step of faith into the water, you know, where Peter steps out of the boat. You're, you're kind of like, I don't know, God, if this is what you want me to do. And yet God whispers into our hearts and he says, do you trust me? Right? It's not like I'm going to force you and make you obey me. You better obey me. That's not God's voice. God's voice is, why aren't you obeying me? What's wrong in this relationship? What have I said? Where have we got off course where have I ever made a promise that I didn't keep? This is an honor issue. 
And so the aim is, is, I believe wholeheartedly, is that honoring. You say, well, how do I do that in my home? Well, Paul writes about that actually to a church in Rome. And here's what Paul writes about honor. What is honor? He says, be devoted to another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is so, so important because what Paul is driving at here is that honor puts others first. Honor puts others first. And even Paul would further talk about this in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you're married, I encourage you to go read Ephesians chapter 5. He talks about the whole family. And then into Ephesians chapter 6, he even tells children to honor their family furthermore. And he talks about this even into Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes about this. But ultimately, what he calls on is the family to put others first. So in your home, it's not just to have your child have an obedient child, although we want our child to obey. I get that. But the heart of it he's driving at is honor. That love does not dishonor others. In other words, love puts others first. Now you think about who are those others? Who are those others? Does that mean we put our children first? It puts others first. And here's how it works in our home. Here's how it works in in, in my realm, in my life, is that God is first. Why? Because we put God first. So we honor him first. That's why we show up to church, or that's why we read the Bible, or that's why we pray before we eat, or that's why we pray at night. That's why I tell you talk with Jesus. That's why dad's out in the coffee, you know, having with his devotional time. That's why mom goes away in the closet and prays. Why? Because we honor God because he comes first. And here's how this works in marriage. If you're, if you're married, you know, and this is how it works, at least in my home, and this is how I try to do it. Just yesterday, my wife was out uh, for a little longer than I was, and so uh, it was me and my son at the house, and I said, hey, 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 come here. Instead of saying, you need to clean this house, I said, hey, hey, mom's coming home. Let's show her honor. Let's get this house clean before she gets home because mom likes a clean house. Do you hear how it changes all of a sudden a little different? And all of a sudden, it's just trying to be intentional, not using the word honor. Hey, that's dishonoring. Hey, whenever you yelled at her, whenever you talked to him that way, it's dishonoring and it shows disrespect to him. And so those are two D words we use, dishonor and disrespect. And we don't want dishonorable. Why are you dishonoring her? What's wrong in the relationship? Are you mad? Are you hurt? What's going on? And so all of a sudden becomes a conversation around honor. I think honor matters so, so much. And so I have found so much that Honor puts others first. And then you know this, and this is the funny part about parenting, the hard part about parenting, this is where the tension is in parenting, is that honor doesn't come naturally. Honor doesn't come naturally. And we know this as parents because honor doesn't put others first. Honor puts ourselves, like, 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 or naturally we put ourselves first, but honor puts others first. And so that we come in tension because it doesn't come naturally. Now this is where I get this wrong all the time. I get it wrong all the time. I talk about put others first, put others first. And then I'm the guy who speeds past the traffic and then jumps into the lane. Anybody done that at all? You know, you get that long line and you're like, you know, I'm in a hurry today. So you go fast, you go up to the top and then you exit right the last minute. Anybody do that? How many of you are the really patient ones? You sit at the back of the line and you yell at all of us who are speeding by you who get in front of the line. Yeah. All right. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, is that in your life and in my life, you know this as mom and as dad, as grandmother, grandma, aunt, uncle, you know this to be true, is that honor doesn't come naturally to us. We naturally put ourselves first, but then we tell our kids to put others first, and it becomes attention. It becomes attention. 
And so here's what I, I just want to remind you of that Paul is writing to. Paul certainly had in mind. Jesus would have had in mind. And when Paul is writing to this to the church in Corinth, and when he writes to this to the church in Rome and to the Christians in Rome, here's what Paul, I think, ultimately is getting at as he talks about love and as he talks about how we do this. Simply this, and, and Jesus' followers know this, that Jesus didn't demand love. He demonstrated it. And I think ultimately when you think about this idea of love that Jesus is, the Bible says simply that, that God is love, right? John writes that, that God is love and that, you know, we love because he first loved us, that God is love. That Jesus doesn't demand it, but he demonstrates it to us. He models it in other words. And so you think about honor and how that works and he puts others first. And so when you look in the Gospels, you look through the life of Jesus, if you were just to go read some of the Gospel stories of Jesus, you'd find Jesus doing this all the time, putting others first. That he would stop by a well, and he would go out of his way, and he would take people with him and kind of start walking a lot longer than they're supposed to have to walk, all to sit down with this woman at the well who's battling some issues in her life and spend time with her, and just to give her a, a, a life-breathing conversation that ultimately would lead to relationship with him that would change her life forever. You see Jesus walking over to people who are sick or in, in need of healing or mental healing and walking over to them and spending time with that individual. Or in some cases, washing his own followers' feet, all to do what? Hey, I'm here to model this for you. I'm here to show you. I'm not here just to command it. I'm here to model it for you. Jesus didn't just demand it. He demonstrated it. And I think there's something so key to that as parents that's so, so important. That even as parents, we understand this idea of demonstrating versus demanding. And so often as parents, we get caught up in demanding something that we're not even demonstrating. And, and then I heard this statement years ago, years ago. I heard somebody told me this about 10, 15 years ago. They said, we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And I'm like, oh, that's so true. And I watch my children say things. I'm like, where did you learn that? From me, you know, and, and how do you talk that? Look at that facial expression. Another day I was talking to my son who's eight years old now, you know, and I'm like, look at him, I'm like, oh, that sounds just like me, you know, that looks just like me. You're me, you know, where are you getting this stuff from? Don't be me, be somebody else. And we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are, which is the whole point of Jesus and Christians, by the way. Christians is not just a religion. Christians are simply somebody who follows Jesus and tries to model and live and be like him, a disciple of Christ. And he modeled this for us. And so we should also model it for those who follow us. And that's not just our children. That's also the other parents who watch us parent. Right, and model humility. Hey, I don't have it figured out, but I'm trying to get better at this. Paul writes this verse in Rome, how about how Jesus modeled it? Romans 5, maybe you've heard it before, but Jesus said this, and this is what is stated about God, or you know, this is what Paul wrote. But, but God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. And I couldn't help but to think about just, you know, how we still in sin, screaming, yelling, kicking, mad, uh, ungrateful for what we have, and yet in the midst of all of us having our little temper tantrums, like little toddlers at times in our life, and as adults, we can have our own temper tantrums, right, like internally, and God is fully aware of that, but in the midst of all of that, he still died for us. 
And he demonstrates his love to you and to me in the midst of all of that. So here's what I want you to know. Here's the bottom line. Here's the takeaway. This is what I want you to know, that better parenting, right? This is just about getting better. But better parenting doesn't demand love. It demonstrates it. Better parenting doesn't demand love. It demonstrates. Why don't you do? It doesn't demand it. It demonstrates it. When you look through Scripture, God doesn't demand you. You could say, well, he commands to love God with all of your heart, but I'm telling you now, he only commands in response to who he is first, because the only reason you love him is because he first loved you. And when you begin to understand his love for you, all of a sudden you begin to see how he's demonstrated to you, then you can't help but to love him back. And so my encouragement, just just to kind of Take a step back, and you can go through 1 Corinthians 13. You could try to find the list and something that lines up with you. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's envy. And you begin to think about, how can I just get a little better in that area of our relationship? But better parenting doesn't demand love. It demonstrates it. So important. So here's the question I want you to just consider today. How do you get better as parents? How, how do we get better then? How do I get better? How do you get better? And it's simply by this. It's simply this. But we get better at parenting. We get better by loving a little better. And I wrote the word little very intentionally. Because there's a long list and it's so easy to get caught up saying, oh, I should be more patient. Oh, I should be more kind. Oh, I should just not keep records of wrongs. And oh, I've got to do it all, all better. That is not what I want you to take away today. What I would love for you to take away today is simply choose one of those words that we talked about today. Or maybe even later on, you can go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. And you can just pick the one that just seems to resonate the most with you. Maybe I should not compare. I've really got to get better at not comparing. I've really got to be better at having better self-control. Being more kind and a little, little more self-control. And just begin to get a little bit better because everyone wins when the parent gets better. And I think sometimes it's so true that you can just get overwhelmed trying to think, I'm trying to be the perfect parent. That is not the aim. The aim is not to become a perfect parent. Here's the best news in the world. And some of you showed up today just to hear this. You'll never be a perfect parent. There is only one, and his name is Jesus. He's the only good shepherd. Everybody else is, you be a shepherd, but you're not going to be the good one. There's only one that's absolutely perfect and good, and it's Jesus, and you're not Jesus, just in case you were wondering. So what's the aim of a Christ follower as a parent? We just want to get a little better. So here's the homework I would love for you to do, kind of give you some homework in this series, kind of to do some stuff, maybe some conversations if you're married. If you're a single parent, you can still participate in this, of course, and try to figure this out and how it might work for you. But here's the homework I'd love for you to do. Just go look at the love list. That's 1 Corinthians 13, and choose one. Just, Dad, just go choose one. Just go choose one. You know, don't try to choose them all. I'm going to do them all. I'm going to do them all. And oh, by the way, uh, if you're married, just, just, you may not want to do this. Hey, I really think you should start working on, you know, that one, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, you got to really get better. You got to be more kind. And uh, so you got to stop comparing, you know, me to everybody. Okay, so then it turns into a whole marriage. This is not a marriage series. This is a parenting series. So. But my encouragement to you, think about it, think about it, how true this is for you. And I'm sure, I'm sure one of the words I put up probably is like, oh yeah, I could do a little bit better there. Maybe you're doing really well there. My encouragement to you is take one off the list, just get a little better this week at that. Everyone wins when the parent gets better. Man, if the parent gets better, your home gets better. If your children get better, the future gets better. 
If your home gets better, the community gets better, the city gets better, the state gets better, the nation gets better, the world gets better. You wanna begin to make change in the nation, in the world that we see? Just begin to get a little better as a parent. And if maybe the kids aren't in your home, your grandparent, you could still participate. You could still participate by encouraging your own children or grandchildren. You could do it. You could still be a part of that. And you're an aunt and uncle. If you don't even have a child, but you're maybe friends, you could still participate because when you show up somebody else's home, and even if you don't have children of your own, you could still participate and bring love into the home or into the scenario, into the situation, into your friendship. Everyone could participate in this. And if you're a young person, if you're a young person, you could participate in this. You can participate simply by showing honor. You say, hey, I'm just going to honor you. I'm going to begin to trust what you say. I'm going to trust some of your wisdom, some of your judgment. I'm going to do better to put you first and you in front of me. You know, there's so many ways that everybody can participate in this because everyone wins when the parent gets better, right? And so I hope that simply encourages you today, that you would take one of these things off the list and say, man, man, I'm going to do that in my life. And I'm so pumped about this series. I'm excited because we're going to unpack all kinds of different topics where it relates to parenting over the next couple of weeks. But my hope for you ultimately is that you would aim at just getting a better, be a better parent, not a perfect parent. Choose one off the list and love a little better. And that was the title of the whole talk today, that you just love a little better. Let's pray. Jesus Thank you so much, God, for a written word that we can come to, a word that we can come to and just, uh, not just a word just to learn from, but also uh, a word that shows us and reveals how you demonstrated love, a a word on how you carried out that. And so, uh, Father, we come together today simply hoping to be a better parent, and we need your help, and we invite you in. And even today, I encourage you, where you are as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, wherever you are in your life, to simply make the decision, no greater decision that you can make to say, Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I want to invite you in into my parenting. I want to invite you in to help me. And you could tell them that even now, just Jesus, I want to invite you in into a relationship with me that, that I could come to know you and you could help me learn to be a better parent. And if you make that decision, you just tell them. And my encouragement to you, if you make that decision today, is that you would simply tell somebody and you would let us know. And there's a a, a card on your seat that says Brave Steps and you can just check a little box and we'll help walk through that journey with you. But Jesus, I pray ultimately as we become, uh, as we are parents, as we, as we try to become better parents, that you would help us facilitate that. You give us the strength we need. Uh, when we're weak, you'd help us to be kind. When we're tempted to lose control, you'd help us to have patience and, and to walk at our child's pace. Mom, Dad, listen. Walk at their pace. Let's not compare. Let's not get caught in envy. Let's not expect them to be where we were. Jesus is the best parent and he has all the knowledge in the world of your child. And he stands ready for even you to look to him to say, God, give me wisdom how to parent this child. Just know that he has a perfect plan, a great plan for every child's life. And even if you don't see it, mom and dad, and you're like, I don't know how this is gonna work out fully. I don't even, I don't see it. God does. The Bible says, real simple, his brother, this guy named James, the brother of Jesus said that God loves to give wisdom. He loves to distribute wisdom, even wisdom in parenting. And so maybe today you're just like, God, I need your help on how to handle this child. 
and then begin to listen to his instruction. He's the creator of every human being and your child. He, he wired him in the womb just the way he designed him. And so God, we invite you in and help us to become better parents. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating love to us in a way so clearly that helps shape the path for how we also would love our own children. In Jesus' name, amen.